If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Hello, and welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 501. I'm hosting today, it's Miranda Sanchez, not Ryan McCaffrey, who is out today on some deserved vacation, along with Brandon Tyrell, who is actually a ghost at this point, uh, but will be back at some point. Uh, maybe imaginary friend. I'm not too sure what we want to call him. <laughs> Just an apparition, someone that we we miss dearly, but we'll be happy to have him when he comes back. So instead, this week I have joining me is Destin Gary. Bam. Hey, everybody. Hey, welcome. And there's the bam. Yeah, there's the bam. There it is. <laughs> uh, and making her unlocked debut is Taylor Lyles. Welcome on in. Hello, thank you guys for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, Ryan is out, so chaos will ensue. I hope you guys do enjoy this unlocked episode 501. Um, but before we begin, I just wanted to remind everybody, as we do every time at the top of the show, that iGen Games is live. If you guys want to watch us on video, um, you will find our full episode on iGen Games. You will also find Nintendo Voice Chat, Game Scoop, and Podcast Beyond, as well as plenty of other video content. Uh, we also are done with Yappa, as it has been done for a very long time now. So if you guys want to be part of the loot box to send your video questions, which we would absolutely love to have, please send them to Ryan McCaffrey uh, on Twitter. Not me, but also since you didn't send anything to me, which you wouldn't have because no one told you to do that. Uh, we don't have a loot box today, but, you know, we have actually a very fun uh, trivia today. So uh, stick around because I put that one together. Just a, just a little teaser later. Uh, but now let's get to the news all right so we have big news dropping of course when ryan's out it's huge it's all there <laughs> the xbox all access music video ad buy all for one uh you guys what do you think about this video this is a hilarious sort of rmb advertisement cover or technically a reimagined version of i swear which is a 1994 ballad from all for one and then Microsoft's like, hey, you guys want to make an Xbox All Access remix? And there's, I guess they said yes. And now we have it. And it's amazing. <laughs> I really like it's it. I like, 
Yeah, I just watched it before the show. And uh, my favorite part, as Miranda pointed out, as I was watching it, was when she brought out the dinner to herself to yeah. play games. At one point, she has like this beautiful candlelit dinner on a tray, and it's just really ornate. And she sits down, and The Sims is playing. I'm like, that's that's me. That's That's what I do. You get the candles going, you have like a nice steak dinner. Time for the Sims, man. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. this is definitely a fun video to put together. And I was going through to watch the original, which is nothing like this whatsoever, really. <laughs> I thought there would be like nods to it or something, but not from what I saw. Uh, I really, really like this. I love the whole ambiance, the whole mood of the music video. And it's funny. It just kind of makes you laugh a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, I, yeah, no, I was just saying, like, I, I agree. I mean, I was born in the 90s, 95, in case anyone was curious. So, like, I don't have that many, like, nostalgic, like, music videos. But, you know, I'd go back and, like, watch them on YouTube and stuff like that. But I, I loved this. I thought the whole video was funny. It was, like, serious, but also, like, jokey in, like, a in, in its own way. What I really noticed is that I love that Microsoft has very much been embracing kind of, like, the meme culture that is, like, their Xbox brand. Like, you have the Xbox and shill hashtag, the mini fridge, just, like, all this stuff that's been happening, like, the last, like, several months. I love that they're embracing and really kind of poking fun at the humor that everybody's kind of like having. And they're just like, you know what, let's just run with it. And like, let's use it to our marketing advantage. And I hope they keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I will say I do want that mini fridge. I would very much <laughs> like that mini fridge. It's it's so cool. Um, I think one thing to point out here, I mean, not to break down an advertisement music video, um, but it's kind of cool to see them showcasing the Xbox Series S in this rather than just the X, because, you know, obviously Series X is like the more powerful, shiny new, uh, but the Series S really has like taken off in a lot of ways. Like even around the office, I've heard people talk about how it's like, you know, I really just wanted to get this for Game Pass. Like maybe I mostly play on PlayStation or mostly play on PC, but you know, sometimes you just want to pop in front of the couch and yes, you can connect your PC to your TV, but it is a pain and nobody wants to do that. I don't want to do that. So then sometimes you can just get a Series S and like have it as a great entry point. And honestly, I think that that just makes a lot of sense for this. Um, added just like, oh, she's starting with the Xbox One X. I have to do, like go slowly through the different names and upgrades to a Series S. Um, and it's kind of cool to see them giving time for that as well. The Series S is actually doing really well all over the world because it's just a great entry point. And that's exactly what we talked about on Unlocked is how that particular console is going to be the people that don't care about 4K and all the bells and whistles and everything. They just want a game, right? They have this awesome console where they can just pick it up and go right away. And Xbox has been very happy with how their sales have been doing in Japan, for example, uh, due in no small part to uh, the Xbox Series S being readily available. The Japanese market, uh, their PR person said the Japanese market really likes how cute it is and like it how compact cute. and, and <laughs> <laughs> like design wise, design wise, they really, really like it. And then I believe it was they have one of their best console launches ever in, I want to say, India also. So globally, the, the Series S is is really, really great. And then you start thinking about other countries. This is something I've been sort of on a tirade about lately, but other countries, people sort of, you know, poke their nose up about the Series S, but you got to remember in places like Brazil, you're paying twice as much for your console over US dollars due to taxation and import issues. That's why, you know, I asked Phil about that question during the interview. So people get in with a Series S and then their subscription to Xbox Game Pass is really, really reasonable. 
and they just have access to like 300 something games on day one, as opposed to paying, you know, this really, really high price for any of the physical games that have been imported. So I absolutely agree with you. I think the Series S is a an excellent console and it's doing exactly what we predicted it would do, Miranda. Speak yes. to a large group of people beyond just like the the hardcore audience. Right. And I think that is just such a great point is that access is a huge thing with games. Like I think there's a lot of us who are very privileged, especially on our staff, when we're lucky to have all the consoles that we need for work. Um, we can have really nice PCs. Uh, but that's not like the reality for a lot of people is like getting access to games isn't necessarily an easy thing just because these consoles do get rather expensive. Um, and I, I appreciate that Microsoft is thinking of that and like getting more ways for people to play. That's like mm-hmm. tech. Anyway, uh, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about this Xbox Wire post because this is kind of funny. Uh, it says, as gamers begin the next generation of play on Xbox Series X slash S, we do so remembering the great experiences we had before with excitement for what's to come. And, oh, oops. No one knows how to navigate. No one knows how to, yes, this is is a good line. And no one knows how to navigate the waters of love, loss, and love again than 90s R&B singers. So we thought, what better way to celebrate the reimagining of how you can join Xbox with the all-inclusive offer of Xbox All Access than with the 90s R&B sensation, All for One, reimagining, I swear, their 1994 ballad. And I was like, I mean, that's that's a choice. And it ends with a question mark. It ends with a question mark. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. It's just, I mean, I, I realize it's marketing, but it's pretty damn oh, good marketing. It is. It, <laughs> uh, like, there's it, not it, enough corniness, but there's enough, like, subtlety to just be like, we're self-aware that we're, like, making fun of ourselves, but we're going to have fun with this anyways, just like you guys are going to have fun with it. Right. And it. I think especially, I, I don't think this is going to go, well, maybe it will. This won't go down as hard for me as that live action zelda trailer you guys remember that like it's like link and zelda and they're dancing and yeah like this is not quite there because i think it's more for the program rather than for a game that's just like what what is happening here um but it is really cool that they got all for one for this and doing a whole remix on it and not just like you know the internal microsoft cover band which would also be cool but this like i think just going for that step further like wait a second this is the original band um, a quick note on this as well. This is not a new program um, and it's not new to Xbox Series S or X. So, uh, it, I mean, this is a good way, obviously, to get us talking about it. Taylor, exactly as you're saying, the meme culture, just leaning into it and <laughs> leaning into how this is just kind of a funny way for us to talk about it. Um, so some quick notes on the program. Uh, it is $24.99 per month for 24 months with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate included. It's currently available in 12 countries. But the post said, there are more countries to come over the next year. Most importantly, though, most important part of this post was it said we should look out for more nostalgic Xbox All Access '90s themed content in the coming days. Great. Uh, I, I really like that fan-made Resident Evil trailer for Lady Dimitrescu. Like that one was really, really funny. So I, I hope that they really lean into whatever they're doing. Like they could do toy commercials, they could do cereal, like you have listed here, but. I I do want to point out, I think you're underselling Xbox All Access because it is really, really great. Basically, you buy a console, you get the console, you get Game Pass Ultimate, and you only pay $24.99 a month. It's sort of like a cell phone plan. And you don't need a tremendously good credit score because when this was revealed, I believe Matt Kim really dug into it. You need like somewhere in the 600s, I want to say, to get it. 
But um, yeah, it's really, really good. It's really, really reasonable. And you actually end up paying less than you would pay unless you're like hunting deals or something. But you end up paying less for the console and less for the services over that time period. So Xbox All Access is, is something that I, I really think is a good idea and a really good effort on Microsoft's part. Hopefully they're able to get it into more countries because that accessibility thing we were talking about two seconds ago, that's one of the things people really, really want to. Right. And that's what we were saying earlier as well. Is like this is such a nice way for other people to get access to these units that maybe wouldn't have been able to otherwise and also have like the best version of Game Pass. So, you know, even better. Uh, so from this, I guess, announcement, I was like, all right, there's more 90s themed content on the way. I did say, Justin, as you mentioned, I want a serial ad because those are really funny. How about you two? Like, what are you thinking? It's a little limited because it is specifically to Xbox All Access. That doesn't mean they can't talk about games or something within it because it includes games. Taylor, I mean, if I had to, yeah, I mean, like, if if I had to think of something, like, I keep thinking back of just, like, all of the, like, kind of, like, you know, like, early 2000s and, like, the 90s, like, video game commercials. And you remember how, like, cheesy and corny and, like, kind of, like, those were? I would love to see them do something similar to it where it's, like, uh, just, like, even if it's, like, a holiday commercial where it's, like, a kid's, like, <laughs> trying to ask their parent. <laughs> like, I keep thinking about those, like, cell phone commercials. There was, I forgot what, what phone it, brand it was, but I remember seeing one. They're, like oh yeah hey dad could you get me this phone and like they were like saying like oh it costs x amount and there's like unlimited call and unlimited text like what if they did something like that for xbox all access really kind of like hammer in like oh you're doing monthly payments you're not paying for this all in one sitting which again i think is why xbox all access is great for a lot of people especially if they have it's if it's a hard pill to swallow to spend like 300 or 500 dollars on a console and just like one payment but you have like increments where you pay off monthly. I think that there's so much you can do with just kind of hammering that in. Like, hey, you don't need to shell out all this money right now. You can pay it off over time. Right, yeah. I think that's like a fun idea. I'm just thinking of a bunch of different commercials that we used to watch as like kids. I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Mine would definitely be for a toy. And what they could do is they could take characters that are on Xbox Game Pass and, you know, do like cheesy versions of like some of them have toys. Like I think there's a, a Gears toy and a Halo toy, but oh, maybe yeah. they get in the Forza car and they drive or something <laughs> like that. They could have a lot of fun with with something like an action figure ad. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot there and we will see that soon, I guess, in the coming week. This week's podcast unlocked is brought to you by Nord VPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com 
unlocked without the E. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash U-N-L-O-C-K-D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two-year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's get to another important thing that happened. Maybe you caught this episode 500 of Unlocked. We had Phil Spencer on. We had a fantastic interview. Of course, during that interview, we were just like, stick to the questions. We got to go. We got to get as much time as we can to talk to Phil Spencer and get his thoughts on things. Now we have a quick second to break it down. And Taylor, I want to throw to you because you got to listen. You know, Dustin and I were in the interview, like talking to Phil. Um, But I wanted to hear your thoughts on like, what were the most notable things from that interview for you? Yeah, I mean, the one biggest takeaway that I took from it was just like, there was a possibility that there could be like an Xbox hardware roadmap like down the road. I think, you know, I think it really speaks to the fact that Xbox is definitely going in a direct different direction compared to the other companies like Nintendo and Sony on how they want to make hardware and like what kind of hardware model refreshes they want to do. And even it's pretty obvious right now with just like the Series S and the Series X that, you know, they're catering to two totally different people, but at the same time too, because they're doing that, it definitely opens up the opportunity for saying like, okay, so there's kind of an Xbox for just about everyone right now. So again, if you don't care about like 4K, if you don't care about having physical media, you know, you can get yourself a Series S and you won't feel like you're necessarily missing out entirely on everything because you still have Game Pass, you'll still have access to games, just even though it's just like on a digital and you don't have that option to have physical or digital. Whereas with like the Series X, if you want more of that flagship model experience, there is that option right there. But at the same time too, I know that they're definitely trying to expand their xbox ecosystem they want to put themselves on like streaming sticks and like smart tvs and all that stuff but i think it's interesting that they're not necessarily ruling out entirely on hardware and the possibility that they could do more hardware in this generation or just like future generations down the road i think is very uh really speaks to the fact that like even though they want to expand in different ways that's outside of the hardware experience they still want to maintain that xbox hardware is going to be like the flagship experience Right, absolutely. And I think something that sticks with me in regards to what you're saying there was how Phil Spencer said a few years ago, I guess just before console launches came out, um, that they see their main competition as like companies like Google and Amazon and things, not mm-hmm. necessarily like Nintendo and other like game console uh, manufacturers. It's not just like publishing games. It's not just consoles. It's going beyond that. Like how can they like push forward and see other competitive realms? And I think you know, as you were saying, like, they're really looking for like, what can we do with the cloud? And we we just keep hearing more and more about like cloud things. We just put up a review on the cloud as well. 
or <laughs> cloud gaming for Xbox. And it's like, you know, it's a start. I think there is still some like stability issues, but it's again, it's just a start. And like the fact that it works so well, and I know Dustin, you've spent some time with it, um, is good. It's again, as you said, Taylor, not a replacement, but it is a realm that could be really interesting. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I want to echo that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to echo that. I mean, because, like, I know a lot of people, when they think of, like, Amazon and, like, Google in the gaming context, they're, like, they're not necessarily thinking about the fact that, like, oh, well, Stadia is, you know, it's not, like, any PlayStation or anything like that. But, again, it's not even thinking about that. Like, if you think of the big picture of, like, what Google and Amazon are, like, they're reaching so many different people, even if it's not in a gaming context, but the fact that they are reaching so many different people in a different context. And I was like, see, that's what Xbox wants to do. They're thinking outside of the box. Like, of course, they still want to focus on, like, the exclusives. They want to focus on making sure that people who own Xbox hardware are still satisfied. But at the same time, too, they're also like, okay, what do we need to do to get it to more people? What do we have to do to integrate this in everyday hardware? Because again, Xbox is all about like the experience, but also they want to focus more on like, how can we get more people playing our stuff without having them to say, you know what, you need to buy an Xbox console to experience that. And I think that's smart. Right. It's like thinking outside of the box, but within the context of games. And that's something that Phil also mentioned about how forward thinking he is with everything, but also reflecting when we asked him to reflect, I was like, hey, can you also like take a step back and look at the past for a second? about how things like with the the TV, TV, TV announcement with Xbox One obviously was a huge mistake. And listening was like, okay, people who play games want games on their consoles. How can we keep giving people more ways to play their games and get to access to their games? This was just, I think, of course, a huge topic we've had today is just how do you access Xbox games and how can you do it more innovative ways in the future? And so, um, Taylor, absolutely. I think that is definitely a key theme xbox going forward uh, but destin what was a big takeaway for you yeah well just elaborating on your point really quick i do agree and i think that when we're all picking up our controllers and our smart tvs just have an xbox app integrated people are really going to wake up to just how big the potential of x cloud and these xbox cloud gaming services are especially with the the television integration that's like a huge market that's on tapped xbox has really been thinking about moving beyond just the co- idea of a console and providing these services and it's good that they hired kim swift and a lot of the the people who worked at google because google was actually getting pretty close to having something really sweet and then they just kind of seemed to abandon it but all that research is still done and they can sort of grab those people and continue where they left off. A lot of people laugh about cloud gaming right now. I think in five years, the the laughter is going to stop and it's going to be a serious competitor in the space once they figure out latency, once they figure out how to make these services, you know, even better than they currently are. I think a lot of people have woken up, especially in the last few weeks when they're able to just play it in their browser, no download. You just, you wait a few seconds and you're playing a game, running off a Series X hardware, Uh, stream to your computer. It works really well for games that don't require precise input, like RPGs. I always use Octopath Traveler as one that you're not going to need precise input for because it's just turn-based, right? Anyway, going back to the interview, the biggest thing that I saw resonate with the community was when um, I asked about localization for other territories. That resonated with a lot of people. Game Pass is currently available in 41 countries. Uh, you know, it's, I don't believe it's in China yet on their, on their list. And then 
a lot of those a lot of those other countries are still waiting for other services like xbox all access like uh, the microsoft rewards program where you can just do like searches every day and then earn points to basically pay for your game pass every month so microsoft rewards you for being in their wheelhouse so to speak with basically money <laughs> hey use all of our stuff and we'll <laughs> give you money so you earn points towards your your subscription and in, in countries where everything is twice as expensive and you don't have as much cash that goes a really really long way so just seeing the community quote tweet me and uh talk about that particular question which i actually asked igm brazil hey if you could ask phil one question what would you ask they'd be like That's ask smart. about local ask about localization because it's a big topic it is a huge conversation going on in the community uh, we did get a little bit of criticism for the interview because people felt like, you know, maybe somebody asked more questions or something like that. But anyway, I want to pull back the curtain for just a second. We all had a very specific goal going into that interview. We were all in agreement. We all had a set number of questions and that that didn't happen. If it came off rigid at all, uh, it's just because we're trying to hit all of our points. So I did want to address right. that and, and sort of like give a production note. We talked about it ahead of time. We knew what we were doing going in. I, I don't think any of the talent felt <laughs> weird or no. anything. No, oh no. I think yeah, also with having pros. three people doing an mm -hmm. interview, that's really difficult with one person on a show. You don't, you can do that. And I think usually when it's, I guess, more prepped ahead of time, even with the person you're interviewing, it can be easier, mm -hmm. but that's not how we did it. We just said, okay, we're going in this. Hey, Phil, you're here. Welcome. Let's ask you a bunch of questions. And so at the end of the day, like, yes, we could have had some banter and all of our interview styles are different as well. Like, I don't yeah. want to get too into the weeds of like how interviewing works in journalism and stuff. But uh, as far as that goes, like, for me, I'm very conversational. And so whenever like I was like, I got to cut off my conversation so we can just keep asking <laughs> questions. So, um, yeah, I was scared I, I about time. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah so my like, producer brain's like, are we going to run out of time? <laughs> and yeah, it's. It's really, really fun. I had a great time. It was just great getting yeah. to talk to Phil and talk to Phil with the crew. You know, it felt like he was part of the Unlock group. And then we were able to just hit him with questions for what, an hour and a half or however long it was. It was, yeah. it was really fun. On a personal brings a note, tear to my eye. <laughs> on a personal note, it was really, really cool uh, to do that, not only with my colleagues, but also, you know, to have Phil on the show. And I appreciate it very much. Yeah, absolutely. A great way to celebrate Unlocked 500. That's wild. We have 500 total episodes. Um, but one thing that I noticed the community kind of keying in on that I also always key in on is like, what's on Phil Spencer's shelf? Um, oh, yeah. One thing, <laughs> uh, one thing he did have was a Koji Pro statue, which has been pointed out previously, which brings us to our next story. Yeah, I'm, I'm sometimes okay at this. Um, so <laughs> there is an Xbox rumor that Kojima, or I guess a rumor with Kojima, uh, that they are getting close to signing something to have a game together. Uh, we don't know the details of that game. Again, this is a very heavy rumor, uh, but VentureBeat reported that Kojima is allegedly looking at the potential of developing with Cloud Gaming and may have signed a letter of intent. Who can say? No confirmed details, but uh, what do you guys think about this? Dustin? I am very, very excited. So basically the rumor is that the letter of intent is signed, which means they're working on the finer details, probably about payments and how everything will be structured exclusivity agreements all that all that fun lawyer stuff right and basically what's going to happen now is uh the rumor states that kojima and ken swift are going to be working together to develop something 
with the cloud, I'm a little unclear on what that means. Maybe that means using the Azure system to develop something remotely using that new technology where you're able to have really, really powerful hardware at your disposal, but basically you're developing a game with a laptop. So you don't have to have all that gear in your local space. You're developing it through the cloud. Or it means utilizing the actual cloud to make something that's uh, browser-based or whatever. I don't know. But if anybody can do it, I think Kojima is going to be one of the one of those people that just has a way to come at it in an interesting way. And especially when he pairs with somebody like Kim Swift, you know, the creator of Narbacular Drop, which would later become Portal. I think I think that's an excellent pairing. And uh, Kim Swift's history, she ended up over at Google at Stadia, I mentioned earlier on the show. And now she's, she's paired with Kojima. And I think those two together are going to make something really, really cool. Again, we have to say this is rumor, but Grub has a very good track record thus far. And uh, I have to imagine that this is happening. And the, the conversation is basically, at this point, this isn't going to fall apart. Like, this is a done deal at this point. It's going to happen. They're going to make it happen one way or another. Taylor, what are your thoughts on Kojima potentially developing something with cl- the cloud, the cloud? <laughs> the cloud. <laughs> we say like, the cloud, it sounds like, like a higher power. But yeah, That's like... what I think too. I'm just like, it's above us, always. <laughs> <laughs> it's always watching us down from above. I mean, I, I, I would, uh, to like what Dustin said earlier, I think, you know, I, I'm wondering if it, if they're just going to develop it like straight through the cloud. I, you know, I feel that my, uh, Microsoft and just like Xbox as a whole is definitely trying to focus more on just like Xbox cloud gaming. I'm curious to see like how that would work. And, you know, even if it was like just like a straight up, just like a, like a cloud game, I think it would be cool. I mean, you know, especially if we think about just like how much storage like requires from a lot of these like newer titles that are how limited the storage expansion is. And like, yes, you can buy the, the one terabyte Seagate expansion car, but it's a little expensive. But, you know, just having more options and even if it's just like a completely cloud based game, I think that would be really cool. I, you know, you could just boot it up. You don't have to worry about downloading it and waiting however long it'll take to just install it on your console. You just open it up on, like, say, a browser and then just like give it a whirl. But I think, you know, Kojima definitely has a lot of ambitious ideas. You know, I think he has a lot of interesting products that he's developed in the past. I'm really curious to see what he could do, especially just like with Xbox and like what kind of game he could develop. I feel that he has a lot of potential to make something really awesome. And whatever it is, I'm I'm really excited to just to see what it is and like play it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, say what you will about Kojima, like what you think about his games, I think is like set that aside for a second. I think he's a really talented developer who knows how to work with a team to push things forward creatively. Um, and you see Nintendo do this a lot as well, right? Like their whole goal with, with their consoles is to make interesting things for their games. Like when you look at like with the Wii and motion controls and how the Switch has evolved and they always like make those unique elements of their systems for their games, right? To like push forward with how they develop games. And I think Kojima on the other hand has done a great job of just like thinking, all right, here's the infrastructure we have now. How can I play with this? Like I think about the original Metal Gear. I always forget exactly what it is when you had to like unplug something. I think you unplug the you unplug your controller and you put it in port two when Psychomantis invades your mind. And he reads your he also reads your uh, memory card. Your memory card. Funnily Mm -hmm. enough, I was tweeting about my Metal Gear fandom fan craze a few days ago. (laughs) Yeah. See, exactly things like that. Like, it may not have been Kojima directly who came up with that, or maybe it was someone on his team. But regardless, like, I think he keeps showing that in his games. Like, you look at Death Stranding with, like, 
kind of the weird multiplayer system that's a little bit more innovative of like, you know, you're building things together and like there's this living environment that doesn't necessarily have you playing directly with other people, but kind of has those echoes of other players' interactions in your world. And I think it's interesting to see how he's developing for those things. So that's what's got me super curious about like what he's what does he want to do with the cloud? And like we were just saying it's like as far as I think about it, it's an way to access games and not necessarily a a tool for games, but like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Kojima has like this big brain idea of like this is what I'm gonna do and I need to work with Microsoft on it because they're the ones who are leading this. And so I'm very curious to see what this will be, uh, if it is real. It's a rumor. We always have to couch it very hard and like, oh, well, you never know. But I don't know. Like, uh, we, we've got the little spaceman on from Koji Pro on Bill Spencer's shelf. So <laughs> anything can happen. We don't know if it's going to be exclusive or how this is going to work. But uh, if it does happen, I'm immensely curious to see what is going to happen with that. Oh, another thing I wanted to mention is in the PT demo, you know, you can find things in the pause menu. I'm just like, what? Excuse me for getting so strong. I just, you know, like innovative game developed like that just makes me so excited. And the fact that Kojima could potentially be eyeing something special with cloud, even if it is just development and not something for us to like play with, I think it's still exciting to hear what that could be and the implications of it for game development as a whole, right? Like if it impacts just like one student like is innovative, that could echo and ripple in other ways. So um, definitely interested to see what happens here. All right, for our next story, we're talking a little bit more about game development. The Coalition is planning to show off an Unreal Engine 5 demo at GDC this year. Uh, so GDC is taking place um, later this month digitally, and they will be. Or the Coalition is hosting a panel on July 20th. It's going to be hosted by the technical director, Kate Rayner, um, and technical art director, Colin Penty. Hello, welcome. Thank you guys for hosting a GDC panel with years, kind of. <laughs> but, um, Colin. <laughs> yeah yeah hey guys uh, uh we, we that's when i get to work with the coalition every now and then we're just like hey guys cool excited to see it um uh, but very excited to see what their vision is for from real engine 5 because that's that's what's put the hold on year six where is i want it i want it so bad Justin, tell me more about it i'm incredibly excited to see what the coalition can do with unreal engine 5 because i believe they were one of the first Maybe maybe um, the team working on Hellblade 2 was the first, but they're one of the first developers to say, hey, we're working on Unreal Engine 5. They've usually been at the forefront of Unreal Engine development. So if anybody can make something truly impressive, it's going to be the, the Coalition. And I'm really excited to see what they can do. I actually hopped into the Unreal Engine 5 and I built like a... Just, I just messed around with Quixel and the, the assets that are publicly available. I dropped a bunch of stuff in, and it's really, really fun and easy to, to work in, even if you have minimal experience working in a 3D model, modeling engine. It's cool stuff, and just in a few hours, you can build like a whole level. So I want to see what a professional studio like like the Coalition is able to pull off. If I'm able to make some garbage trash fire of a level, <laughs> imagine what they're going to be able to do. Right. And we can even just think about like how gorgeous Gears 5 was on Xbox Series X with its upgrades. And of course, just Gears 5 base model was beautiful. And I think every time I've gone to their studio to go like preview something, they've just done such a good job of showcasing like what they can do with these new tech, whether it's HDR when they were first showing it off with Gears 4, or of course, getting into 4K and like higher resolution frame rates. 
Um, Taylor, what do you think? Are you a Gears fan? Yeah, I like yeah, I like Gears. Uh, it's not like one of my favorite Xbox like brands, but it's it's definitely something like it's like it, you know if I see like a new game coming out, I was like, oh yeah, I gotta I gotta try this. But I think what what I found really interesting, more particular, is like what, I know when they were talking about oh we're gonna we're gonna demo something with Unreal Engine five, everybody was immediately thinking oh Gear six. I was like, but I remember they they had mentioned that it wasn't just like for Gear six, but they were you know gonna develop other you know other prod like new projects with Unreal Engine five. So you know. Of course, when we see the demo, when they show the demo and display it, like, of course, we're all going to be thinking like, oh, what can they do with like year six? How are they going to take advantage of that? But like, I'm really just more curious to see what they're going to do with the tech and like, kind of just see like, okay, they're going to obviously make year six using this engine pot, like most likely, but what other stuff would they like to do with it? Like, I want to see kind of like what they do when they like tinker around with like the tech. I want to see what they can make. Because even now, when I keep thinking of Unreal Engine 5, I think about that that PlayStation 5 demo that they had. What was it? Like mm. last year? It was in, like, it was incredible. And I was like, I was like, just imagine, like, I think Epic Games did the demo, but so even then, like, I just want to see what the coalition will do. I think that they make a lot of really good games that have really nice visual fidelity. I thought Gears 5 looked beautiful, you know, especially like on the Series X, but, you know, just seeing what they're going to do when they have a chance to like show off Unreal Engine 5, showing us like what they could probably do when they make Gears 6. And then hope like, just like, it'll probably just have my head just overthinking of like what kind of projects, new projects they'll be working on in the future. But in either case, I think the coalition definitely has the chops to do something really impressive with Unreal Engine 5. I'm really excited to see what they do with it, whether it's Gears 6 or whether it is just a completely new project. I think that they will do something amazing with it. Right. And a good note that they are developing other things that are not Gear 6, even though that's that's my focus, because, I mean, if you play Gears 5, you know why, but <laughs> um, it's a pretty big deal. So here's a, from our article. So this is, again, um, from the description of the GDC panel, actually. Uh, it says, the talk will cover the learnings the team had while creating nanite resolution assets and incorporating them into a fully real-time lighting scenario with lumen and virtual shadow maps, uh, which is, you know, it's just like, oh, that's just like the detail in these titles for different development things. I mean, like I'm struggling to like find the word to describe these. It's like, you know, I don't really know development, but like, that's one of the nice things about GDC is that you get to learn so much more about it. Um, and it's also intended for people who want to know about like sneak peek behind next gen game workflows and visuals, which honestly, it's like, that's really interesting to me. I want to know how they're developing because for a long time when I was thinking about next gen, I was just like, okay, how do they make this better? Cause like, if you get a really beautiful 4k game, that's just running at crazy high frame rates. It's like, all right, but what do you do next? And getting to see the answer to this, especially for somewhere like the coalition is really exciting to think of us. Um, I've been, I've been watching a lot. Oh, I'm sorry, Miranda. Oh, go ahead. I've, been, yeah. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos, actually, of developers who have been messing around with this engine a little bit because it's publicly available. Anybody can go download this right now and start messing around. And basically what's going to happen is with those Luminan virtual shadow maps and everything, it's sort of an answer to ray tracing. Ray tracing mm -hmm. is really, really taxing on the system. So they're coming up with other lighting solutions that aren't necessarily ray tracing, even though that's like a super big buzzword right now in the industry that everybody sort of latches on to. They're working to make things less intense, but still have the same visual results. So you can drag a light source around around the room and have real-time shadows cast without you know, being super taxing on the system. And then you can have these super high-resolution models, and then you can have a whole bunch of them. But with the, the Unreal Engine system, they're figuring out ways to be 
less intensive. And then you start pairing that with uh, VRS and some of the other currently existing technologies. It means we're going to get prettier assets more often that are are just populating a scene and nanite resolution <laughs> and, and not exactly and not taxing that. your system. Yeah, yeah it's and really I, cool stuff. That's one of the reasons I'm so grateful to have you and Taylor on because you both can explain these <laughs> technical terms that I'm not familiar with. But again, that's one of the nice things about learning about these and of course events like GDC and developers who take the time to explain like what exactly is going on with next gen development because it is a lot. Lots of very smart people telling us about really cool things about our games. Uh, okay, let's go on to our next story, which is not at all about development. It's actually about theft. So, uh, Taylor, can you tell us a story about how $10 million in Xbox gift cards got stolen from Microsoft? <laughs> yeah, so uh, so I wrote the story last week. I, uh, I think I saw it on, yeah, Bloomberg did the report. And basically, they just kind of delved deep into like what happened uh, when this former employee, he was employed at Microsoft for a couple of years. I can't remember off the top of my head, but basically he was like a like a junior engineer who was like, basically trying to like test like the payment system on like the Microsoft store and things like that. So when he would go in and like do like a, like a dummy kind of like code or whatever, it generated an actual code for like a gift card to the Xbox store. So when he realized that there was like this glitch in the system, he didn't test, he didn't tell his managers, he didn't say anything to his higher ups. He was just like, Oh, I'm going to use this. I'm just going to generate and just like, he like, basically, I don't want to say counterfeit, but like to me, when I kept thinking about it, it's like, it's like he's printing money. But like digitally. So eventually he figured this out and then he started, you know, kind of like selling them. I think he was selling them on like third party websites for like, I think up to like half or 60% of the price of what they usually retail for. And he was also using like Bitcoin to kind of try to transfer the funds and then would lie on like tax forms and say like, oh yeah, all this Bitcoin I got, uh, it was from like a, a family friend or like a relative or something. And obviously eventually he did get caught, but the fact that he... I think it was like within like less than like eight months or something, he had millions of dollars just like in his possession. Cause he's like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to just sell up all these, <laughs> all these cards and stuff. But I, I, I just thought it was just so weird. Like uh, obviously the, it changed his life and I keep thinking about it. I'm just like, I, I don't know why he, he thought that he could just get away with this. And I, I remember he was even using test email accounts from, like that his colleagues that were associated with his other colleagues. So like, it, it like he just kept making all of these really, I mean, first off, he made the dumb decision of stealing from a company, let alone from Microsoft. And, you know, the fact that he was basically transferring this money into his bank account, he was, you know, investing in Bitcoin to try to hide that money. He was basically indirectly looping in his other colleagues by using like their test email accounts to try to generate more of these. It just, it, it was wild. I was, I was just, I, the more I read it, I was just like, why did he do this? You work at Microsoft, dude. Why are you stealing from Microsoft? It just, the, the bug itself is just wild. But the fact that like he saw this and he didn't first to think, maybe I should tell my my manager about this. He's just like, nope, I'm just I'm just gonna just gonna make fake transactions to generate these codes and then I'll have all these codes and I'm just gonna sell them and then just make more money that just I, I was just like, why? Why would you do this? <laughs> oh my goodness, what a wild story. Dustin, what did you think about it when you saw it? Yeah, like after a million dollars, you'd think you'd be like, nah, I'm good. You know, <laughs> but he just like, let's keep going, I guess. Like at, at some point enough has to be enough, dude. And now you're I think he's sentenced to like nine years. So, <laughs> well, 
yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say about the situation, but uh, it was it was funny, but also sort of like, of course you're gonna get caught. <laughs> like eventually yeah. they're gonna figure out they have this huge deficit. So there you go. And once you start lying about how you're getting certain things as well, it's just like you're just digging your hole so much deeper. Um, I have to ask, or, or I'll have to say first, when I saw that he was stealing that in Xbox gift cards, I was like, oh, what would you be doing with all those gift cards? Like using that? I thought of like he had to use them on Xbox stores. So it's like, what are you buying? <laughs> I guess you could buy a lot of controllers. You could buy some new consoles. Um, uh but yeah rather than oh you could just get the gift cards and then sell them which is again an awful thing to do but it was a a strange story nonetheless in the xbox universe and definitely a hot piece of gossip going on right now um yeah i what would you guys do with 10 million xbox gift cards but you had to spend it on the xbox store scalp consoles i don't know <laughs> like how do you convert that into real money right i feel so silly because yeah. when i heard this i was like oh you can buy consoles and then like give them away to people and like donate them and i was like wait oh <laughs> yeah that's what i would do miranda oh you know what i would do i would go to all the charities and i would max out the donations that i'm able to give because on microsoft rewards you can you can give your microsoft Reward <laughs> points to charity like after a million, I'm good. So yeah, give the other yeah. nine million to charity. Yeah, and, and I double checked. Like he was selling them to third to like codes to a third party website, and like the discounted yeah. rate, it was like up to fifty five percent off. And like uh, he had roughly two point eight million in Bitcoin in his bank and investment accounts. So I was like, that's that is so much money used. How many laws you broke? But I mean, if I had to think of what would I use all that money for uh, Xbox gift cards? I probably would say, probably, I don't know, probably buy some like Fortnite V-Box. Um, <laughs> and then probably, you, yeah, probably use that to just buy like a bunch of consoles. Maybe I would just like gift a console to like every person I know, be like, oh, hey, Ma, like be like Oprah, you get an Xbox, you get an Xbox, you get an Xbox. <laughs> uh, but I'd probably also go to like hit up that Xbox design lab, you know, make me a nice little That's custom what I was controller. <laughs> yeah, give me some nice controllers. I don't know. I, I also didn't think about how you could apply this to in-game transactions as well. Like you'd have every skin you ever wanted. You get all of them. And then maybe give them to your friends. I don't support those systems, Miranda. Destiny, you don't buy stuff in Destiny? Nope. Is that what you're saying? Never spent well, you a really cent don't? in Destiny 2. No. I what? buy the season passes, but uh, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't spent a cent in the store. I bought so many ornaments. What? You don't want to look yeah. cool? Yeah. No, I, I fell for it in Destiny 1, and in Destiny 2, I'm like, I don't like these systems. Now they're propagating like all games, so I just I don't buy stuff in, in games anymore. No, that's absolutely fair. Anyway, uh... <laughs> Oh, there, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about another silly story. I, I left like some of the fun stuff for the end. Hopefully you think this is fun. Oh, goodness. Um, so Apex Legend was hacked by people who are mad about hacking in Titanfall 1. Uh, so this is, again, very silly. Um, so some hackers said, hey, what? you guys aren't taking care of Titanfall, the original, not even Titanfall 2, the original Titanfall. People are still playing. And so they said, hey, let's go hack Apex Legends so we can make a big stink about it. 
So they hacked certain playlists on PC and added messaging and text about how there's hacking in Titanfall 1 and that it needs to be changed. They wrote like advertisements for a website called SaveTitanfall.com uh, and chaos ensued. So like, why, you know, why is this showing up? Um, of course, Respawn did address the hacks and assured everybody that no information was taken, like nothing actually bad on the user side was implemented. It's just that there was this very weird advertising campaign for uh, awareness in hacking in Titanfall 1 by hacking Apex Legends. Does this make any sense to you guys, Taylor, Dustin? It makes sense. I didn't really think it was funny because it happened over July 4th weekend, which means That's a bunch true. of developers have to like come into the office and deal with this hacker. And who knows what parts of their system were compromised and so now they have to plug these security holes. I mean, oftentimes, like, this will alert them to, to areas where they need to plug up holes, but I didn't really think it was funny or fun. Like, okay, I guess we'll shut down the Titanfall 1 servers now. Is that what you wanted? Oh, <laughs> because, no! Yeah, like, like this is this is not the way that you, you get a developer's attention, you know? It, it's very poopy. I didn't like it. Oh, no, of course. I didn't mean it's funny that people have to work over a holiday weekend, but it's funny that they thought the way to get attention is to, about hacking, is to go hack someone, like another of their games. Just like, that's, what? I, I'm dead serious. I thought it was marketing. I thought it was marketing for a new hacker character in Apex or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually thought it was, thought like it was an too. inside hacking joke. And then I'm like, oh, this is actual hacking. Okay. <laughs> Oh my yeah, I, I, I just I, I'm not a fan of just like hacking, especially like just like during like the Fourth of July weekend. Like you know, you have these people; they work really hard to make the games that we all enjoy and love to play. And they're like, "Hmm, how am I going to mess up their weekend? Oh, I have an idea. I'm going to hack. I'm going to hack Apex Legends because you know more people are playing Apex Legends than they're playing the original Titanfall. That'll get everyone's attention. And it's like there are other more effective and you know just better morality ways to just try to get a developer's attention, but hacking just like a different game and trying to basically make, you know, just like get the attention of a developer because you're upset about something is, this is just a, a corner cutting, very just sad way to do this. I, it's not okay. You're messing up with people's lives because, you know, they want to enjoy the long weekend. Like most of us that were probably off for the 4th of July weekend doing something like this. It's just really it's like what, what Dustin said. It was is very poopy. I don't I don't like that. And you know, I'm glad the only silver lining is is like I'm hopefully this allowed this helped respawn kind of find some security flaws and they can help kind of like fix up those cracks so nothing like this happens again. But it's just never it's never okay to hack, especially when it's during a holiday weekend when a lot of these developers who definitely earn you know that time off they have to come into the office and be like oh I gotta go handle this you know it's 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 like it's it stinks. I am not a fan. I'm just not a fan. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, the individuals who run SaveTitanfall.com said they were not responsible for the hacking and didn't, were not happy about it either. They're like, we don't want to answer it. hacking with hacking. That's not that's not what we're looking here for. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, what happened over the weekend, at least for the big news. And that kind of just brings us to the end of our news segment. So thank you guys for talking about the news. Um, of course, there's not a ton going on right now, but hopefully we do get more in the coming weeks for Xbox news. Um, we are also skipping loot box today because, again, I do not have access to this. However, we are not skipping unlock block trivia because I said so. <laughs> Surprise, Ryan. <laughs> um, so I'm actually not playing, but I did write trivia. This is my first time writing trivia for Taylor and Dustin. So I hope you guys appreciate this. This is not counting toward any points. 
Um, but if it was, I would give all the points to myself that you guys earned because I want to win this year. But you know, it's fair. No, Taylor, don't give me that face. It is fair. I'm keeping up, Miranda. I'm right on no. the tail. Yeah, stop. Go away. Anyway, you guys have not tuned in before. Unlock Box Trivia is a time where we uh, are tested on some very cool Xbox trivia supplied by you guys, the fans. So thank you guys so much for supplying trivia. Um, and if you could please continue to send those to Ryan, that would be fantastic. And if you could send more about Fusion Frenzy, it would also be fantastic. And I will get them. Um, so for this week's, I have a very special one that does not count for points. It is, which of these party games was not on the original Xbox? We have A, Nickelodeon Party Blast, B, Kung Fu Chaos, C, Disney's Party, or D, Shrek Super Party. So I wrote this because I like party games, and these were kind of games that I played as a kid. So these are all real games, but one of these. Is not on the original Xbox. Which was it? Dustin, we're going to you first. Well, now I know Miranda likes to party, so <laughs> we need to do like an unlocked party game show or something. Uh, I'll say a Nickelodeon Party Blast. It sounds made up. Okay. Okay. Taylor, do you have a guess? Yeah, I was gonna say uh, C Disney's Party because I was just like thinking about that. I was like, that sounds so. It sounds like a fake name. I was like, I was like, there's no way that game is real. There's no way. They're all real. The surprise is Oh, they're, they're all real. real. All right. Yeah. I just said that. <laughs> it, it um, I will fake. say No, that's that's fair. Uh so A, Nickelodeon Party Blast. That is not that is a game that was on Xbox. I had it. It is very much like Fusion Frenzy. You can play as Invader Zim, SpongeBob, Rugrats, and other characters <laughs> in a bunch of really great mini games. Loved it. Uh, Kung Fu Cast actually never played that one. But I've heard of that Disney's one. Party is the correct answer here. Woo! Uh, yeah, because <laughs> that's usually what I pick. So if you knew me, you would know. Good job, yes. Taylor. <laughs> Good job, Taylor. Uh, so Disney's Party was actually an int- a game on the GameCube and I believe on the Game Boy Advance as well. And that was one that I played a lot. It was one of the games I played mostly on my GameCube, which is very silly. Um, and you play as different Disney characters going around in another sort of board map with a bunch of mini games. And then Shrek Super Party is kind of terrifying. I hope you look it up if you like Shrek because it's I love Shrek. It's wild. Yeah. Did you guys ever play the Shrek game on the Xbox? No. I think it was an Xbox Shrek game. The only Shrek I, I played I, was in Dark Souls. But <laughs> 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 Oh goodness. Okay. That let's just stop up this episode. I apologize, y'all. This is this is great. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. Uh, Dustin, what do you have going on? What do you want to plug? Not a lot, honestly. Like, it's sort of a slow week, so a lot of just making sure videos are ready to go on IGN. I think we have a Doom performance review for Michael coming out very, very soon. So keep an eye out for that. And then, I mean, if you want to watch my vlogs, you can do that youtube.com slash the Dustin channel. And uh, otherwise, yeah, just keep it locked on IGN and IGN Games for performance reviews and whatever else we got coming i'm tired today. <laughs> whatever else is happening thank you dustin uh for the enthusiastic outro <laughs> taylor where can everyone find you and what are you up to yeah i'm not up to anything much i mean i've got a couple uh features and just some other stuff i'm working on uh editing a couple reviews uh for the tech section so that they would love to be published on ign very very soon but if anybody wants to find me and find my really goofy, zesty takes, you can follow me on Twitter at Tay Nixter. <laughs> but for everything else, like game and stuff like that, please, please go to IGN, especially go to IGN Games. 
if you if you if you love our stuff just, just go you, i don't even need to explain just go <laughs> and if you're already there thank you yes. <laughs> it might be there already that'd be so cool hey welcome welcome to ig games if you're there uh if everyone else is listening elsewhere that, that message wasn't for you. Uh, anyway, uh, you can follow me at Havoc Girls, and that's Havoc with a K on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you may go. Uh, right now on IGN, I am working on a game review for an indie game, so that'll be up later this week. Hopefully, no, it's not. It's probably not later this week. It's probably next week. Um, but we will see what happens with that. Uh, we also have plenty of games we're covering um, on the guides team, so please definitely check out our guides for anything you need with game help. There's always help for you. On IGN guides. Uh, that's all I've got for this very weird, chaotic episode. I'm so sorry, Ryan. And I hope you guys all enjoyed our goofy episode of 501, Bringing It Unlocked. Uh, so for Destin, for Taylor, and for our producer, Alan, I'm Marina Sanchez. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week when Ryan is back. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Welcome. You've got a digital folklore. Monsters lurk in the shadowy corners of the internet. Our darkest fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can all... <coughs> hey, holy... Hey, Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.